0: Hey y'all, I'm Mackenzie, a podcaster for the Oregon Wine History Archive. Welcome to our new bonus podcast, Vocal Vines, where I ask wine professionals about anything under the sun. So, sit back and get ready to sip on the juice of these Vocal Vines. July 7th, 2023, I had the opportunity to interview Travis Todd and get a closer look into him and De La Blue wines. We last interviewed Travis a couple years ago in 2021 when De La Boo was just beginning to bud and Travis just chose to nurture the label's growth full-time. It's been two years since we interviewed Travis, so I was budding with some juicy questions for him. I'm here with Travis Todd. And so to start off, I like to ask, if you could be any type of wine, what type of wine would you be and why?
1: I was not prepared for this questioning. Um, If I could be any type of wine, I think I'll be Pinot Noir. That's probably that's that's probably a little bit lame to say, sitting in Oregon. But uh, it's the wine that that uh, really piqued my interest in wine. It's where I started noticing differences in uh, vineyard sites and winemaking techniques. Um, it's the one that that really turned my head um, when I saw how different wines could be. So. I'm going to go with that and I'm just ADD enough to not be able to like pay attention to any one thing anyway so it's uh you know nice uh I think that I think that would be my answer
0: (laughs) it's a good answer
1: I don't know now now I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe circle back to that at the by the end of the of the the interview that's
0: fair that's fair Um, but anyway since you were like talking about Pinot noir Pinot camp is a big thing in Oregon and to us students it's a little elusive and I know you mentioned in your last interview that you came out to Oregon for Pinot Camp so I was wondering if you had like one specific memory from that that you could like share with us and tell us about
1: oh I have so many specific memories <laughs> from Pinot Camp you just want one okay um, walking through the, uh, the trench was pretty awesome uh, do you know what I mean like so they dig this hole in the ground okay. at a different vineyard almost every year and it's like six feet deep and you can walk down and look in there. I don't know if they let people do this anymore. It sounds like it's breaking some OSHA rules, but uh, you can walk down um, and see kind of how the soil changes at different depths, and that was fascinating to me to think about how many things are going on under the ground, where we get to see we get to see what's going on with the grapevines up top, um, but see how much interaction there was going down, what the what the vines are kind of trying to reach through or towards. Um, in their kind of search for water, and it was—I um, remember it vividly. It was Mark Vlasic um, and Mike Etzel were kind of leading that that talk, um, and I think Mike Halleck from Carabella as well. Anyway, I remember—I just remember it so distinctly. It was—it was—you um, know—we always think about what's happening to the grapes and the vines up above, and that was the first time I'd really dove into what's happening under the ground.
0: Nice, that's cool. Just digging a hole. Did you guys have to, like, dig the hole, or was the hole just, like...
1: No. Oh, that the- <laughs> no, they make it pretty cush for you, because they want you to sell the wine afterwards. They're not, like, come here and dig a <laughs> hole. Uh, although I kind of, you know, that that is really... Coming to Pinot Camp is, is where I really... um It was my first trip to Oregon ever. Um, and when I saw how... All of the winemakers or winemaking teams, and and just I saw a bunch of different companies working together, which I don't think you see everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that was number one, incredible to me. Um, and number two, I could just tell that the people here were going to be different than if I wanted to pursue it somewhere else. It took me three more years before I came back, but that was that was a a big turning point because I worked at Pinot. I did Pinot camp in 2014, and then I worked Harvest in 2014 also. Nice. So it it was awesome enough for me to want to come back and do a bunch of work for no money. Uh, four months later, it was great.
0: <laughs> Speaking of harvest, in your first video, you kind of compared it to Deadliest Catch, which is very entertaining. You said it was Deadliest Catch with less money, same wetness. But kind of going off that, what is kind of one crazy harvest story you kind of have since you started working them in twenty fourteen So
1: that's, you got that's under your belt. That's a wonderful segue because I just. <laughs> I just got in the, in, in the mail. Well, like, I just ordered and was shipped to me my all-new, like, Grundens, <laughs> wa- like, waterproof gear. Because I've always had, like, regular stuff, and then it never... Like, nothing holds up to Oregon. Um, Oregon rain. It just doesn't. So, anyway, we're going to try this. Uh, so, now that I'm outfitted correctly, um, one Harvest Story, man... That's I mean, so if you got hard. a couple, but... That's so hard. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to go back to, like, my very first harvest. We, this is, I'll try not to be too long-winded here. Um, there are times where you get stuck, like, waiting on the press cycle, or, um, you know, you've got a bunch to do, and everything kind of needs to be done in a timely manner, and sometimes you're on the nighttime shift, you know. Uh, and you've got some downtime in between doing tasks, like... You've got a press cycle that's gonna run for two hours. So you try to clean up and prep yourself for the next press cycle. Um, And then, you know, you need to break some of the monotony because you're working ridiculous hours and you're tired. And you've got a team of people that are with you that are also interns, which is a job that you invariably have done. And so to try and like shake it up a little bit, we invented this game called Travis Ball, uh, where we took a tennis ball and a bucket and then it was basically kind of like horse or pig but you had to bounce it off of different things like it had to it had to touch there was a number associated with how many times you were doing this and it had to touch that many surfaces before Mm. it went into the bucket and so playing travis ball like in the middle of the night which now that i think about it is like maybe a little too vain to have (laughs) called it travis ball but i was like i literally made up the the game uh on the spot and you know the interns are like, what is this game called? I was like, I don't know, Travis ball. And then, you know, that's what happened. So,
0: Did you just have, like, a tennis ball lying around?
1: Just yeah, because we were making Rascal. Uh... And so Rascal had, they had, like, a box of swag that they would give to, like, I don't know, whoever buys, like, eight bottles of Rascal or whatever. I don't even know because I wasn't on the marketing side. <laughs> but there was a box of tennis balls with a little dog on it that said Rascal. And so it was like, and we had plenty of buckets. So that was like, Here, here's the two things that we have. We're going to make this work. Nice. Uh, That was pretty fun. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other one because this was, will sound a little bit scary, but it was, it was very, very funny. So there was a, you're always doing different tasks and you got people in different parts of the winery. Um, and something like this always ends up happening, but we, uh, we were running a press cycle and, um another guy was going around and doing pump overs, um, and there was a tank that's like elevated so that you could gravity flow out of it. And he had gotten done doing the pump over and went to go take off the clamp for the um, valve, or the clamp for the hose, but he accidentally took off the valve. And so like, if you can imagine, there's a lot of liquid coming out. Now we didn't know any of this, we didn't hear anything, but eventually we start hearing this like very faint like help (laughs) and we're like oh my god i wonder what's happening like they're not that hurt because you could tell that they weren't they weren't screaming but they were they were like yelling pretty loudly help and so we like come around the corner and there's this guy and uh i won't say his name but um there's a guy who is like literally holding he's holding it like (laughs) Like his head down, he looked like the, the kid in, uh, the far side, like the school for the gifted, you know what I'm talking about? Rich knows what I'm talking about from the old days. Um, but he's like holding it, you know, he's got his arms stuck out straight, his head's down. And I don't know how long he have been holding it for. And we were like, Oh my God, Josh. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say his name. I guess i are like, Josh, uh, you know, how long have you been here? And he's like, I don't know. Can you just fix it? <laughs> and so we had to, you know, remedy that pretty quickly. But, uh, little known fact if you take an open valve and then put it on there really quickly put the clamp on and then close the valve you can lose almost no wine and we did we sort of fixed it but I'll never forget that guy's face coming around the corner and like I mean he might have been there for like 30 minutes I, I, I know that if, I, if I, it had been me I probably would have given up there five minutes if, like no one came to help me I was like well oh, I'm out uh but that was that was pretty iconic um i mean those are like funny stories i guess i mean i'll never forget the first time we got grapes from here and like coming out to pick those grapes that was like that was that was pretty meaningful to be picking the grapes for our own project for the very first time that was really that was really special so if you're looking for like a wistful a wistful memory uh, (laughs) you know
0: yeah and so kind of on that thought of de la vue and kind of coming out here with like your own grapes and your own vineyard last time we talked to you it was just starting out because you started in 2019 how has it grown how has it changed in like the time we've like talked to you last
1: yes that's a great so much (laughs) so much has changed um you know we talked in 2021 and i think we were just selling our first vintage that we made 150 cases um We've grown to, with the 2022 vintage, 1,200 cases. So, a pretty massive amount of growth. Um, and we had just started farming this vineyard, Vista Grande, in 2021 when you guys came up here, I think. Uh, it was pretty, I don't know, maybe mid-season. Um, but I was still working uh, at Great Oregon Wine Company um, at that time, too. So. Uh, I've now pursued this full time um, and uh, we farm all of the grapes now I think at that time we were only farming half this vineyard and now we're farming the whole vineyard and so um, that's exciting, we've added on a couple other vineyard partners um, Temperance Hill is a new vineyard for us, it's really exciting to work uh, with that fruit um, and just get to talk to Di Crisp. he's a fun, fun guy to chat with uh, as you guys know. Um, yeah, we're, you know, it's crazy how it's grown. We've got a, we've got a wine club now. We've got a, or an allocation list, I guess I should say. Um, we are distributed in six different states with a couple more on the way. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's become a real business. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty wild to think of. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's uh, when we were here in 2021 talking, I could never have known that this is, <laughs> this is where we'd be right now. Uh, I, did, I I. never thought I was going to get a follow-up. I thought I was just going to be, <laughs> hopefully this guy makes it.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed over the best. It
1: doesn't disappear into the ether, you know? Uh,
0: Fair. And then, so, with De La Vue, kind of, could you kind of describe what you think your winemaking philosophy is, or kind of, like, how you start, whether it's, like, since you work in the vineyard, too, from pick to, like, actually to bottle a little yeah. bit? Yeah,
1: so... You know, the French phrase "de la boue" is uh, from the mud or of the dirt, uh, depending on which translation you want to go with. Um, you know, I think it really starts with the ground. You know, it starts with the soil. Going back to the pit. You know, um, your first decision is where to plant your vineyard, and if you if you don't have good soil, you're not going to have anything else. If you don't have a, a good place to cultivate those grapes. Um, you're, you know, that's step one. There's a a million other steps to making good wine, um, but the first one needs to be working with a site that that is remarkable. Um, So I think that kind of like anchors our winemaking philosophy. Um, And then I really just try very, very hard not to over extract. I like wines that are a little lighter and a little more nuanced. Um, We don't use any new oak. So we're really just trying to, you know, take what is growing and give it its best chance at tasting magical. Um, you know, that's our, that's kind of the, the main goal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I want to expound any more than that. I think that's it. That's so perfect. Just Make it really simple. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's a simplicity to it that, that, um, I think makes, there's a lot of places you can nudge things. Um, And I think letting, leaving it alone is is easier.
0: Nice. And then, so kind of going off with winemaking. wine is seen and romanticized by like many consumers, but you know, kind of like the truth from like find a bottle and everything. But knowing that, what do you still view as kind of the most romantic part of the process?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, What's the most romantic part of the process? I think having a cold beer at the end of a hard day's work is the most romantic part of the process. It nice. is. Um, I don't think there's anything that could replace that, you know, you always have people that say they want to come help and then, you know, about 30 minutes into picking grapes, they're, they're, they've they're given up already. You know, the novelty of, of what we're doing wears off pretty pretty quickly. Um, but there's nothing better than, than being dead tired uh, at the end of either... Either it's harvest or it's working in the vineyard or it's bottling or whatever it might be, but like sitting down to reflect at the end of the day is the most romantic part to me. Nice. It's my favorite part at the very <laughs> <least>. uh, <laughs>
0: That's what makes it so romantic, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's uh, I think Jim Prosser said the beer tastes better if you work hard. So uh, I like uh, I like I like to take that to heart.
0: When you're when you're enjoying the cold beer, does it vary? Brand, type? Or do you have like a
1: cold. go-to? Cold is it. I'm not getting into the <laughs> into the into the, uh, the beer discussion these days. Um, Fair, but yeah, no, I I'm uh, I don't think I've ever just poured one out because I didn't like it. Uh, so I think if you're working hard and it's cold, cold is the only prerequisite and if it's even if it's not cold i'll probably still take
0: it (laughs) after hard stay work
1: yeah yeah i think so it it will still be colder than me and that uh you know i've drank a i've i've had a hot natural light out of the back of a truck before so uh nothing gets worse than that (laughs) and i still drank it um
0: (laughs) just not as good not as good when it's
1: cold (laughs) yeah exactly
0: and then, so with growing De La Boo and everything, it comes with its own, like, set of, like, challenges and successes. So, like, in the recent years, what has been your greatest success and what would you say is maybe, like, a challenge that you either see or you've had in growing?
1: Oh, man. Um, the greatest success is getting to do it again. Uh, when we started the company, uh, Chris, my business partner, and I, um, we said, look, let's, let's buy a couple tons of grapes. If we can sell the wine and make enough money to do it again, we'll call that a success, and uh, that's just what we keep trying to do. We keep buying more grapes, so that's uh, that's that's awesome as well. Um, but I think that that's that's kind of the best success. That's what we count as success every year is is getting to do it again. And I mean, you know, in my mind, putting a great bottle of wine on the table uh, with great food and good people is. Um, is amazing you know uh, whether it's wine that I made or just wine that we're drinking I think that's uh, I think that's an important part of the of the process that we we should try not to forget that um, that end goal is that it ends up bringing somebody joy you know nice um, and then what was the next one challenges what yeah um, getting it into the bottle <laughs> is the challenge uh, no I think You know, it's, it's. There's so many things that are challenging. Uh, This is a hard question. (laughs) We'll we'll pause pause for the car to drive by on the gravel. Um, It's like, how deep do you want me to go? What do you, what do you want me to reveal here? Uh,
0: Whatever, whatever you feel. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always a challenge. Uh, Every part of it is a challenge. I mean, Rich has said a thousand times that you know we're all crazy doing this and so you know th- there are always challenges in everything that you do and you know trying to maintain a good attitude and uh, push yourself in the direction that you know you want to go everything that we're doing ta- requires patience you know it's it's a uh, it's years before you're making you know before you're getting to taste anything that you've made um you know in a, as a finished product uh it's months to grow the grapes it 's months to to smash it up it 's months uh in barrel and um you know how we're reacting to any of those things is is uh there's difficulty all along the way there's no one thing that's harder than another there's always something else that's going you know that's going sideways for you so keeping that long term goal you know keeping that long term like vision is uh is important, but I, I don't, I don't know that I could name like one single challenge. There's so many like little ones.
0: I mean, I think you, you answered know? it perfectly. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's, it's such a hard thing to, to think of uh, how you're going to react to him is the, is, is, is the real secret, you know? Um, sometimes it's just a laugh because you, <laughs> you know, what uh, else can you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's something, there's something always going a little bit wrong. Uh, I like to think about when when harvest is coming along and, you know, harvest is coming up, people say, are you ready? And the answer is always like, yeah, I mean, I guess, (laughs) you know, it's never, it's, it's, you can be prepared as you want to be for harvest, but you know, it's never gone exactly right. And, you know, how you can kind of bend with the, with the punches is, is the important part.
0: Nice. And then our last question is kind of like, what do you wish you knew before you were getting into like this wine industry or like starting your own label? Like
1: i wish i had known how much paperwork there
0: is (laughs) it's Um, fair i feel that's that's a lot of people in the industry yeah
1: i mean i think you you know how to ferment things you can understand how that goes but it's very difficult to uh know the ins and outs of the business part um and i think the more resources you can kind of surround yourself with on that side you know it's it's a It's one thing to say, okay, I can can smash grapes, I can ferment them into wine, we can put them in a bottle, Uh, you know, that process can be repeated quite easily, but I think it's difficult. The difficult part is when you start looking at it as a business, um, you know, licensing, um, you know, the amount of money that you're going to spend on labels and, you know, getting that all the way through. An attorney that's going to help you figure out the, the the legality of what of what's going on um, how to do your taxes when you have inventory that sits year over year um you know how to maintain uh your financial kind of stability how do you how do you uh how are you going to shoulder the the upfront kind of cost um you know to get into to get into something like this and um I wish I'd known all of those things before buying a couple tons of grapes and smashing them <laughs> up. Uh, that's those those things are. Uh, yeah, the business pieces are, are always, um, you know, it's kind of it's, it's another place where you have to be able to be flexible and, and kind of bend
0: with the punches. OK, so before we let you go, can you tell us your best story about you messing with Dave Cho?
1: I, I will be honored to tell you. <laughs> I have so many. I don't know which one's which one's the best, Rich. Uh, so Dave, Dave Cho and I worked together. Um, he was an analogist and I was a seller master. And we started our labels the same year uh, and are very good friends. So I hope that he doesn't mind me um, telling the story. Uh, but he had started working. I'd worked for IBG for three or four years and he started working there and then came in one day and said, I'm, I'm going on vacation on this date. I don't remember what it was, but he was gone for a week or two and I hadn't had a vacation the entire time I'd ever worked there. I was like, what is the, the new guy gets to leave? I cannot believe this. So when he went on vacation, we took uh, a whole bunch of um, gla- boxes of wine bottles and stacked them to the ceiling in front of his desk uh, all the way to the ceiling and he came back and he was so mad and i thought it was just the weirdest thing i was like man this is, this is like hey buddy we love you you know he was so angry uh it was it was pretty wild um hold on i'm gonna tell you another one too because i feel like there's you you, you can decide which one you want to use or none of them. <laughs> or uh, all of them so we did a thing called the winemaker challenge uh, and it was the last year that we worked together and he was—he hadn't decided that he was going to move to California, back to California yet but um, we did this winemaker challenge where the four full-time workers at the winery um, were going to take a single fermenter and then you could do whatever you wanted to to it and then in a year we we're going to taste everybody's wines and see who won and uh, see who's tasted the best and so knowing Dave and, and how inquisitive he is uh, every day I would do something different to my fermenter just to mess with him and so I would like only punch down half of it and he'd I'd see him like looking over and he'd go what are you you doing you know what are you doing that for and I would make up something like I think punching down half the fermenter I was like well I want to retain the amount of heat on one side and then I'll switch it to the other side uh, next and then you know believe it or not like a day later Dave would be doing that and it was just comedy to watch him continually do it uh, do things that we were doing. Um, you know, him asking questions and us making things up. And, uh, by default, I was the only one that still worked there after about a year. And so I claim, I claim <laughs> uh, <laughs> over over everyone else, uh, simply by sticking around. So, uh, that was, that was maybe more fun. That was like long-term, you know, that was a I'm long, that was, the, that was a long time. You know what I mean, uh, I was willing to like let mine go down the drain just to get Dave Cho to chase it around. It was pretty funny. Uh, and he saved he saved some rose because he wanted to pull some off, he Sonier'ed off a little bit and he wanted to make some rose. And then he moved and he forgot he left this rose and it was like just sitting in a in a keg. And so my boss came around and was like, What's this keg of stuff over here? And I was like, That's Dave Cho's rose. Uh, <laughs> And he was really mad that it had been sitting there. It was like two years. I mean, it was a long time. It was definitely not still good. And, uh, anyway, I was like, I, I guess I will figure out how to get rid of this. But before that, I'm going to siphon some off into a, um, and I'd bottled like a case of it. And so now every time Christmas or where whenever we get together, <laughs> Dave Cho gets a bottle of Dave Cho right there. And, uh, I remind him, I remind him where he came from, so, which is... <laughs> Which is just the best.
0: That that's. I, lo- that's I love I love the show so much, and it's
1: <laughs> it's so fun, it's so fun to have a a person that is, uh, you know, a really great friend, and a peer, and like, our businesses have been growing, the, you know, at the same time. It's just it's so fun to have a person like that to like, bad ideas off of, and uh, usually I skip talking to Dave and just go straight to Lois, um, which is the smart thing to do. So, <laughs> anyway. Not as much gets by her.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
1: Mackenzie, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming to see us. Awesome. Really appreciate it.
0: Travis has had two harvests to grow alongside his label, De La Boo Wines, and learned from the five acres of vines he now harvests and maintains. So it was amazing to catch up and talk about everything from pranks to Pinot Camp. I'm Mackenzie Kulik, your local viney, and I promise to bring the vines as long as y'all bring your glasses. I'll see y'all next time for some more Vocal Vines.